number three of the Bill Michael Show, and we are glad you're with us today. On this Thursday, don't forget, coming up tonight, we're going to be, uh, the, the Bill Michaels Huddle is back out on the road. We're going to be at the historic Broad Stop down in Kenosha coming up tonight. Looking forward to that. Brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Joining us now on the hotline, our friend Ben Brown is with us from Pro Football Focus. You can find him at PFF underscore Ben Brown. Ben, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bill. I'm excited. I think this is the best time of year for uh, you know NFL football action. So I'm looking forward to wild card round here coming up in just two days. I'm excited about all the matchups this weekend. I I think this is like uh, ten dozen wings and and maybe my big fat pants because I can't wait for it. I agree with you. I wanted to ask you. Let's start off uh, with uh, the quarterback rankings. Pro Football Focus talked about the top two quarterbacks in football and it was tom brady one joe burrow number two and the argument became well if those are the top two quarterbacks then why in the world would aaron Rodgers be winning an mvp so you tell me what you think between those three names and the rankings and how you guys go about it and what your thoughts are yeah definitely so we're trying to measure we're trying to measure the context of the play within what the quarterbacks asked to do right and i do think that uh in that specific context tom brady and joe burrow have graded out really well now you can look at some other factors of things where Aaron Rodgers has done uh, probably much better than both those two guys, right? So we try to use uh, maybe more so like a, almost a blend of, um, you know, quarterback ranking from PFF along with EPA per play and try and fold in uh, as much context as we possibly can. And I do think that is kind of where Aaron Rodgers shows out, right? Obviously they've dealt with a number of injury situations, don't necessarily have the same wide receiver unit that either one of those teams had. Of course, Devontae Adams uh, is probably the best of the best as far as NFL wide receivers so far. But outside of him, it's kind of been, you know, a developing case of guys like Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Haven't really had anything from Robert Tanyan this year. So I do think uh, the overall voter mentality seems to be that Aaron Rodgers has brought more than enough uh, to be considered strongly for that MVP candidacy. And I have to back, I have to, you know, uh, follow through with that. And I also think that that is the correct mentality, uh, kind of based on how we've seen the 2021 season play out. So when you when you rate these guys, it's not necessarily on the value of the quarterback. It's just basically here's a rating on per play, what it is they did, how they executed it, the throw they made, the read they made. That that's that's what that comes down to, correct? Yep, yep. That's so that's the PFF passing grade component, right? And that is basically uh, you know on a two to minus two scale, how well did he make that play? So not every play is going to receive. Uh, you know, a positive or a negative grade. And there are some things where, you know, you can only throw a plus one throw based on certain types of throws, right? We're not going to give somebody a plus one for throwing a five yard uh, and a hitch or an out situation. We're going to make him kind of make some of these NFL type caliber throws, 15 to 25 yards downfield, uh, kind of leaning toward the sidelines and some other uh, variations of those types of throws. It's kind of what we consider, you know, big time capable throws from the quarterback position. So uh, trying to put contextualize not only you know what he's asked to do, but how well he does it in that given situation is kind of how the PFF passing grades work. So it, it's for those that were making a lot of consternation about it yesterday regarding why Aaron Rodgers should be in the conversation when it comes to the MVP. I think we can all look at it and understand, you know, what the job is of the quarterback and the the amount of injuries that they've had to deal with, the schedule they've had to deal with, and all that kind of stuff. So it's not necessarily a vote as to who is truly the MVP. It's just the execution of the way they run the offense. Exactly, exactly. And I do think, and um, I do think, you know, in that context, you know, 
you know, we're giving Matt LaFleur a ton of credit for the Green Bay Packers offensive success as well. Maybe that is a little bit of a detriment to Aaron Rodgers' PFF passing grade. But in all the other components that we're kind of looking at, uh, you know, we have Aaron Rodgers basically right alongside, you know, the guys that we mentioned, and you know, above, above even Joe Burrow when we kind of fold in some of those other metrics. So I think it's kind of a two-horse race between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers from our perspective. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, talk about the matchups this coming weekend. What matchup intrigues you the most? Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for uh, the Cowboys 49ers game. Obviously, that is the lowest spread on the weekend. I do think that Dallas Cowboys is probably the one team that can really compete with Green Bay uh, as far as getting to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. So I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see how they actually perform against the San Francisco 49ers team that I think is uh, maybe getting a little bit overvalued, especially from a betting market expect- expectation. So I like that matchup quite a bit. And then, you know, the kickoff here, AFC, uh, Raiders, Bengals, obviously two really hot teams. We've already talked about Joe Burrow a little bit, but I think the Las Vegas Raiders match up really well with Cincinnati. They can apply pressure without necessarily needing a blitz. That has been uh, the one area where Joe Burrow has really struggled here. So I do think that game's going to play uh, a lot tighter than what the current betting market even expects right now. Uh, when we talk about that first game that kicks off, now we were talking earlier about young quarterbacks making their first postseason appearance. And, you know, Brady did it, uh, certainly Kurt Warner did it, but it's few and far between for guys that have ever had their first taste of postseason to take a team to a Super Bowl. And then you have to look at a guy that's really got the chops to do it and a guy that's probably got either a really good team around him or maybe a Hall of Fame caliber type of quarterback. Is Joe Burrow that guy, do you think? I mean, he has shown it. I know I know it's hard to quantify because you look at guys like Justin Herbert, he has the much you know, much better arm strength and those sorts of things. And a lot of people look at Joe Burrow and they say, you know, he just has this it factor, right? He has this thing where he continues to bring it. He wins at every single level that he's played at. Uh, and it seems to kind of play out in his, you know, PFF grading. He has made all the throws that they've asked him to do so far here in 2021. They have, you know, probably the best wide receiver trio unit around him. So uh, I think they are definitely uh, a somewhat dangerous team. Of course, I do think that uh, the expectations that, you know, a second year guy or even, you know, a rookie guy making his first NFL playoff start is just going to have a seamless transition. It's probably a little bit overstated, but I do think, you know, the Raiders getting some successful pressure early on could definitely throw off that Cincinnati Bengals offense. And I do think that's why it's going to be a pretty tight game. Maybe the Bengals squeeze it out by a field goal at the end, but uh, I think it's going to be a really hard fought battle for Cincinnati to kind of emerge victorious here uh, in that first game. Give me your thoughts on the Patriots and the Bills. The Bills, uh, both teams have won in the other's house and the Bills won quite handily the last time these these two teams met up. But in that wind game, the Patriots were able to run it right down their throats and everybody knew it was coming and the Bills couldn't stop them. Give me the thoughts on that game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's hard to like, you know, fit that game into how this game's going to play out. Of course, there's going to be cold weather, but we're not going to see the same type of wind dynamics uh, happening here on Saturday night. So I think it all comes down to Josh Allen's play. Obviously, he's been a really volatile passer, uh, basically kind of average play down the stretch. Their defense has exceeded expectations, especially with Tredavious White out of the lineup. Um, but I don't think that the Patriots are necessarily going to be able to take advantage of what I consider to be a little bit weaker of a secondary uh, than what people are kind of giving them credit for. So I think I think the Bills are going to be able to roll here. Minus four seems like a pretty good number. Uh, I think they're probably going to be able to you know cover that. And I do think it kind of goes back to what we talked about with Joe Burrow, expecting Mac Jones to kind of seamlessly fit in and play uh, close to his ceiling is just not something that I cur- I currently expect to have happen here on Saturday night. So. I'm betting on the Bills. I do think they're probably going to handle business. I do think they are a really dangerous team uh, to potentially get to the Super Bowl in the AFC. 
And yeah, I was going to say, and then in the AFC, everybody's looking at the Chiefs and the Hots, you know, since really the, the sluggish start they had to the season. And then after they beat the Packers, they went on that roll. So are the Chiefs again for real? And I know the Steelers, they have nothing to lose. They're just letting it all hang out. And Ben even feels like they're going to get beat. But sometimes the team that comes in with nothing to lose and plays loosest walks away with a victory because the Chief, all the pressure is on the Chiefs. So give me your thoughts on that game. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't expect the Chiefs to probably cover that 12.5-point spread. I do think they're going to emerge victorious, obviously. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes can kind of take them back from any game where they don't necessarily play his best. Having that, you know, 1A type of quarterback, similar to Aaron Rodgers, obviously covers up a lot of the other sins that they have throughout their entire team. So uh, I expect the Chiefs to probably handle business. Covering a 12.5-point spread is a completely different expectation. I think uh, Steelers are probably going to be able to keep it close, and I do agree with you. I think it's going to be uh, they have nothing to, nothing to lose, basically. Mike Tomlin's going to go out there, hopefully put his team in a solid position to at least be leading uh, in the first half, and then you can kind of see what happens if, if they can slow down Patch Mahomes enough, get enough stops. Uh, potentially emerge victorious. I just don't see it happening enough. So I do think the Chiefs, like you said, are the team to beat in the AFC, uh, probably the most concerning team from a Green Bay Packers perspective, uh, especially if they kind of show it here uh, on the opposite side of football here on Sunday night. So breaking these games down, let's go to the uh, NFC side first and foremost, because obviously there's two games that we kind of circle. One is if Tom Brady comes back to Lambeau Field, and the other is if Mike McCarthy comes to Lambeau Field. But the teams that, you know, the, the first matchup with the Buccaneers, strength against strength, their front for the Buccaneers, defensively speaking, against the Eagles who can really run the ball well. How much of a chance do you give the Eagles? I mean, I, I lean in their direction at least on like the seven and a half, eight and a half point spread. And I do think it comes down to uh, the Levante David injury, right? I do think that some of those run pass options uh, that the Eagles can kind of implore with getting Jalen Hurts out of the pocket are still going to give that front seven uh, some fits if David's not actually in there. So I, I kind of lean uh, in the Eagles' direction. It does come down to how well Jalen Hurts obviously plays, especially in some of those play-action settings. He hasn't been great uh, in non-play action. So if they can kind of you know call the good plays in these high-leverage, crucial situations, I do think that the Eagles are kind of a live dog here because I do think the Buccaneers are probably a little bit more vulnerable than what people want to give them credit for. I want to see, you know, without the wide receiver unit that they have, basically Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, if they are, you know, capable of creating enough separation downfield for Tom Brady to actually be successful, I do still think that is a pretty pertinent question that they still need to answer before they're really talking about, you know, unseating uh, the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field here later on in the playoffs. Uh, and then obviously you've got, we talked about the couple of the other games with the 49ers and the Cowboys and the Cardinals and the Rams, but what team out of the NFC matches up the best with Green Bay? Green Bay obviously getting a lot of pieces back. We're hearing about Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander and Whitney Merciless and all these guys starting to come back. Their offensive line, three-fifths of the starting offensive line is now back. What team matches up the best with the Packers? Yeah, I think the, the scariest uh, the scariest matchup from a Packers perspective has to be the Dallas Cowboys playing, you know, close to the steel. And I think the knock right now is they've had been in a little bit of an offensive slump. Uh, of course, that is removing the Eagles game. It's removing Washington. So I think at their ceiling, Dallas, especially, you know, with Dan Quinn kind of having that defense in a really good spot, obviously, you know, a high, high leverage situation, have made a lot of interceptions. I do think that uh, they are the team that probably matches up best against the Packers and the team that I'm probably uh, most concerned with. Uh, at least Green Bay not potentially emerging victorious on. So I think that's the team. Uh, obviously, you know, Micah Parsons has been an uh, unreal candidate, defensive player of the year candidate as a rookie. But that rest of the defense has really uh, kind of molded into form with Dane Quinn at the helmet. I do think that speaks volumes to how 
uh, well this team can play when they kind of put it all together. And I do think we're going to see that uh, happen here on Saturday. And I do think it's going to be a little bit of a concerning matchup for Green Bay uh, heading into the divisional round. Talking with Ben Brown, a pro football focus, joining us on the hotline. Now, there's a lot of dream matchups that people want to see Super Bowl-wise. Is there one that, statistically speaking, that, that sitting at pro football focus, you say, oh, this would be a tremendous matchup between these two teams if they both made it to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I do think that's Packers-Chiefs, right? I do think that is kind of the one that I'm most hoping for. We basically have those two teams as the top two teams. In the NFL, if you want to see really sound offense while also a defense that's kind of trying to come into their own, I do think both teams opt for that quite a bit. Obviously, Rodgers versus Mahomes. Uh, we saw you know Brady versus Mahomes last year. Brady emerged victorious. But I just don't think that Tampa Bay has uh, the horses this year uh, to kind of get ahead of Green Bay. So Packers-Chiefs, definitely the dream match. But I do think you're going to see a lot of offense output, even with uh, you know some of Green Bay Packers defenders kind of getting back, like you mentioned, Jair Alexander back. Uh, so I think in saying that, if they can potentially uh, slow down the Chiefs enough, I do think the Packers could definitely win that match as well. But uh, that's the one that I'm most looking forward to here and the one that I definitely have circled. Ben, always good to talk to you, my friend, as we get closer to a Super Bowl, NFC Championship game, all that kind of stuff. We're going to bend your ear again, okay? Awesome. Thanks, Bill. Have a great show. Appreciate it, pal. Talk to you soon. There you go. That's our buddy Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. <coughs> Excuse me. Bill Michael Show, we continue on. Uh, 877-867-1670. You want to hit us up? Feel free to go ahead and do so. 877-867-1670. Um, what, what is this, Ben? What did you send me? There are just some things that come across the Twitter timeline that deserve praise and recognition. So, um, so an original tweet comes out. Okay. Dawson Knox, tight end of the Bills, said that he heard Viagra can make a player test positive for PEDs. So he's not going to try that trick. I guess it's a known trick to stay warm on Saturday when the two teams take the field. Kevin, ah, okay. Kevin Clark, uh, media personality for the Ringer, quote tweeted and said, We got to move this game up and, and just play it now. We can't go on like this. And this unbelievable golf Twitter account called Anti Faldo. Uh, the anti-Nick Faldo account. Yes. Uh, says, what are we going to do then if Pat's Bills game lasts longer than four hours? Ah, <laughs> oh, awesome. awesome. I did day. not know that taking Viagra would make you warm. Is that true? I, I don't know. Well, I'm not that I'm saying you use it. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm simply saying, is that, uh, is that like this? I had this never heard it legend before. or. All right, for those that have uh, fired up the Viagra machine in their life, does it make you warm? Uh, Do we have any former players in the contact book that we can Um, ask them this? Mike writes right there. He says, that's like dropping another log on a fire. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that you used fire and log, speaking of Viagra in the same sentence, is fantastic, Mike. That's awesome. I have no idea. No idea. 
Is this a truth or one of those uh, fake rumors? Does uh, does taking Viagra does taking Viagra throw you uh, throw you into the mix when it comes to getting warm? Uh, Merlin said it's all about blood circulation, so it gets it to all the blood vessels. How about did the media ask Dawson Knox if he was going to take Viagra to stay warm? Right. Yeah. Um, Craig says, I wouldn't want to be, be standing behind the center. Well, think about this, though. Well, never mind. I don't want to get into that. But it's it's an honest question that Antifaldo yeah. brings up. What if the game goes to overtime? What if it's a four-and-a-half-hour game? Do you suddenly get really cold? Or maybe you have to go see a doctor. Right? <laughs> Suppose you're warmer than a four-hour contest. Do you then need to get the Viagra effect away from you? Huh. Uh, <laughs> Snook says, from experience, uh, yes, it can make you feel a little bit flushed. Snook, uh, okay. I'm not going to ask you anything else beyond that. All right? Uh, <laughs> uh, beyond that, I don't know. Uh, didn't a former wide receiver, Justin says, didn't a former wide receiver say he used to take uh, take it to either run faster or stay warm, if I can't remember? I, I have no idea. I would assume if your blood, blood vessels expand and there's more blood pumping to the blood vessels, then there's more warmth through the body. I, I guess there's a natural uh, assertion there. Oh, I found it. Former All-Pro, this is from July of 2020. Former okay. All-Pro wide receiver Chad Johnson otherwise known as Chad Ochocinco. Ochocinco. Claimed, go, go, give it to him. Claimed that he took Viagra before every NFL game. To run faster? <laughs> That's a great or question. Or just get more oxygenation in the blood? Uh, you know, I mean. <clears throat> uh, Steven says, how do you play with uh, with wood? <laughs> this is Sean says, did Icky Woods take it? Oh, my God. Uh, I don't even think Viagra was around when Icky Woods was playing. That gave a whole new meaning to the Icky Shuffle if it did. Uh, Badger Steve says, this has got to be the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. I have no idea. You know what? Oh, my God. Mark says, you think it would make it hard to run. And then Stephanie says, you would think it would make you run harder. (laughs) All right, maybe oh, I retired the tweet of the day segment. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. Off the rails. Uh, Robert says, uh, yes, I've used it before. It does make you warmer. Doesn't matter the situation. Uh, Colin says, I don't know about making you run faster. Uh, no, I can't read the rest of that, Colin. I'm not going to get into that. That's too descriptive, man. Uh, he does. He does say at the end of his email. He says, "There's no way I could have run a 20-yard dash with this thing." <laughs> well, there you have it. There you have it. I guess uh, if you uh, put it this way, uh, there's going to be a whole lot of guys 
with a fishing pole joke and an ice shanty, thinking to themselves tomorrow, man, I could stay warm out on the uh, on the ice if I uh, if I pop one of these. Yeah. Can't imagine going ice fishing with your buddy in the same shanty and you both are popping Viagra, you know? Just... Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, I, I'm not I'm not going there. I'm not going there, Queen. The Buff Badgers. No, I can't read that either. See, you people are just completely <clears throat> me? The show went a little astray. You, you you're now buried. I don't know where you're at, if you're on lunch hour or what, but you're now buried wherever you're at. <laughs> this stuff you're writing is unbelievable.